Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 80 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. I'm your host, David, and with me is Young Bo. Young Bo. <laughs> Do you want me to start calling you Old Bo or Intermediate Age Bo? I like Intermediate Age Bo. Indiscriminate <laughs> Age Bo. Indiscriminate Age Bo. <laughs> Yeah. How you doing, dude? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, man. How you been? Yeah, yeah, I've been all right. Can't complain. Got no one to complain to. <laughs> it is it is tax season here in the U.S., and uh, everybody's going crazy. It's just, it's busy everywhere I go. It's been busy at work. Everybody's got, like, extra commas in their bank account they're not used to seeing. It's, it's wild, man. <laughs> so tax season is in, like, all the refunds have come in. Right, yeah. Ah, did you get, did you get a big one? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Oh, pretty that's good. Awesome. I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be New York Comic Con size. You know what I mean? All right. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We, our tax uh, returns don't come in until. Oh, our tax season is from Jul- June to July, so ours don't start oh, coming wow. in until. See, that would be better because my birthday's in July, so I could just do something like really big for my birthday. Yeah, yeah. So that's, we don't we get them in like August and stuff like that and stuff. I never get a really, really big one, though. Although my friend is, like, one of my friends has every year, his has actually been, like, a negative. So he's actually had to pay more money. Yeah. Every That's, single year. My dad, my dad's like that. That's the, weird. Uh, I used to live in this apartment complex with this, it, the, it was like a shady landlord. Mm. Um, here's how shady he was. He let my roommate pay one month in wow gold because uh, he didn't have any, he didn't have a job at the time. And the guy was like, well, I really need some gold. I know you play a lot of wow. Um, maybe you sling me some some how, wow gold. How much gold was it, to... dude? It was like during Burning Crusade, whenever like a thousand gold was like a big deal. Yeah, and and I think it was something like yeah, like fifteen hundred gold or something. Something you get now from running LFR just a, you yeah. know, a week or so. But uh, this this guy during tax season, he used to uh, claim <laughs> he used to claim kids in the apartment complex on his taxes, so he'd get more money. Wow, they would. <laughs> He would like make an agreement with the mom, like you, <laughs> like you let me claim the kid, and we'll split part of the money or something like that. <laughs> That's awesome. He was, he was such a shady guy, but at least he sounds like a nice shady guy. <laughs> yeah, he was. You can get some. Never, you can get some really weird. I've I've seen movies and TV shows about American landlords. There's always like you know, it's, it's the Law and Order, SVU. There's some shocking landlords yeah. overseas. <laughs> well, I used to go over there to pay rent, and like he would be like really, really drunk, like really drunk, and I would be like, I hope he remembers that he because he didn't give me a receipt, and he just put cash in his pocket. I hope he remembers that I paid my rent this month. <laughs> <laughs> I would have started filming it on my phone or something. Yeah, Dude, I know. And there's a lot of stuff happening with NCP. Uh, we're actually going to add a new crew member very soon. It's uh, I don't want to say too much now, so it's all very hush hush at the moment. But uh, we're going to have a couple of new crew members joining, and. Um, the con season's going to be huge this year, huge. But uh, that's all mm. coming up. So that's uh, that was a, a pretty good segue into news, I think. Sounds good. Cool. I've got uh, three news items that, that I want to go through. The first one's going to be a quick one, but I just want to mention it because uh, I basically want to have a rant about it. <laughs> and that's you know, and it's my show, so I'm going to rant. Um, the Modern Family cast are down in Australia at the moment. It's a pretty big deal for some reason. It's it's uh, the news have just exploded. It's, they've even got like a. You know, like our new segment, Seinfeld Watch. It's like a Modern Family Watch. Like every day, someone you know, it's whatever they're doing is mentioned. So it's, it's obviously a big deal. But uh, it turned a bit sour uh, the other day, uh, yesterday, because um, Sarah Highland, who plays Haley, uh, was at a um, event with the rest of the cast, and she was outside uh, saying hello to the fans and signing autographs and getting photos and stuff like that, as the celebrities do. And uh, one uh, fan, I hesitate to call him a fan, but uh, one douche, we'll go with that, decided that uh, during the photo op, he'd uh, go for a grope, that she was, she was so oh upset she cried. Yeah. So it's just, it's inappropriate and he deserves, you know, the full extent of the law. And, and, and it was good. Like the, as soon as, as soon as he did it, she, she's like, you know, what the hell? And the security pounced on him and then he got arrested. So, and it just, and the reason it upsets me is because one, you just don't treat women that way and no matter who they are. And two, it just makes us look bad. There's, I mean, there's douches all around the world, but yeah, for it to happen when they've come down, you know, to my, to my country and it's, it's a pretty big deal for us. And, you know, for him to do that just makes us look bad. And it just really, really frustrates me. He's been, he's been arrested and that's good. So if Sarah's listening, 
which I hope she is. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> I, I apologize on behalf of our nation. We're not all like that. I, I can assure you, we're not all like that. Yeah, it's a crazy story. I didn't. I didn't even know about that. Yes, oh, it's all over the news. That's yeah. Bizarre. Yeah, it's like it's just you just don't do that, man. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so a bit. So some happy news. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy full trailer has been released a couple of yes, days yes. ago, and uh, of course the internet has exploded. This this film <laughs> is actually getting. I think Guardians of the Galaxy is getting more buzz than the other Marvel films are, um, which is pretty exciting stuff. I think. I mean, they they took. It was a pretty big gamble to do a, a whole film on this. Let's face it, pretty unknown team. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's pretty amazing, and it's, and I think they've tied it in all quite nicely. And, and it's a it's a pretty good trailer. I mean, I'm I mean I'm excited to see it as as much as I am excited to see any you know superhero film. But and I'm not that big a fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I must say. I mean, I, I enjoyed you know some of their stories and when they were involved in Annihilation Conquest and you know. I have no idea anything about the Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I know who they are. I know they're Marvel characters, and I know the basics of the characters, but I can't say that I'm invested in this at all, which <laughs> honestly is kind of refreshing, though, because I feel like I can watch this movie, and pretty much nothing is going to upset me in any way. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's, a, that's a good tweet. That's, that's actually a really good uh, good point. It's, I mean, the characters themselves, the characters that make up the Guardians of the Galaxy have been around for yonks. Which I don't know if that's an Australian term for ages, a long time. Yeah, I, just but, <laughs> I, I had never heard it before, but I knew what you meant instantly. Yeah, so okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the individual characters have been around for quite a long time, but them together as a group is fairly recent, a couple of years. Um, there is another Guardian, the original Guardians of the Galaxy team, which this team is named after, were completely different people. Um, oh, they've, okay, they've been around for you know quite a long time, but this sort of iteration uh, is fairly recent. But it's just, I mean, yeah, but that's a really good point. It's just, I mean, for people who really wouldn't know who they are, I mean, let's face it, not a lot of people are going to know who Rocket Raccoon is. You know what I mean? And for them to do a film with an animated raccoon that shoots guns, it's pretty impressive. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm pretty excited. Um, The trailer itself, though, I don't know, the trailer kind of was, I had mixed feelings. I mean, some of of it looked really cool. I think Nebula, who's played by Karen Gillan, Karen Gillan, that's something like that. Um, She looks friggin' awesome. Um, the rest of them, Karen Gillan. yeah, Karen Gillan, yeah, but the, but the rest of them um, didn't really excite me all that much, especially Gamora by uh, played by Zoe Zaldana. I don't know what it is. I just don't like Zoe Zaldana as an actress. That is something mm. about her. It just irritates me. I don't know. I'm not too sure why. But she's the girl from Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, she's Star Trek and Avatar and Columbalina. She's and, all right. I didn't really like Avatar, but uh, she was all right in Star Trek. I didn't like Avatar either. I, nah. Yeah, I. I, I let me let me clarify. I don't have anything against her as a person. I just I just don't find her very engaging, you know, on on right. screen. You know what I mean? So, but oh, to you know, the trailer to me sort of had a very much a hey, this is really funny, and you should think this is funny, and you should be laughing now sort of vibe to it. It's like it felt, yeah. felt very forced, um, especially the what a bunch of a holes at the end business. I just it was like, ugh, I don't know. It didn't it didn't really do it for me, but. The rest of it, I mean, all the special effects and all that sort of stuff, and you know, <laughs> Groot and uh, Rocket Raccoon going at it was pretty cool. So I didn't know if this movie, I didn't know how seriously it was going to take itself until I saw the trailer. Like I didn't realize that it was. I mean, this definitely seems like a comedy. You know, yeah. like I've always felt like I've always felt like Marvel movies recently were like just a little bit too, like they took themselves seriously enough. Like you know. But yet they still had these like little cheesy, you know, jokes and intermixed in it. And I guess it's for kids, mm. but it was kind of like Jar Jar Binks and up the place. You know what I mean? Like I felt like it wasn't very good comic relief. Yeah. Whereas this doesn't seem like comic relief. It seems like it actually will be a funny movie um, that is also you know exciting and, and action packed. And that's kind of a different. That's kind of a reversal from the way I felt like the Avengers were. Yeah. Um, where the Avengers, it's like oh the world's the world's coming to an end, you know, and everything. But let's make sure we get these little one-liners in and, and be funny during it, during it, you know. Like, and I didn't really like that. Like the Avengers movies, I, I thought they were okay. I've never really been a huge fan of of, of the Marvel movies recently. Well, that's it. You're off the crew. <laughs> <laughs> like I like them. I like them, but yeah. I just I don't know. I just I don't know. I think that DC is taking it a bit more seriously. I think that the DC movies are 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 just a bit more for adults. I don't know. I feel like if you're a kid, you definitely like the Marvel over the DC movies. You're the first person I've ever heard say that. 
I don't know how to word it. I like I like them both the same. Yeah. But I'm not always in the mood to watch the more recent Marvel movies. Yeah. Sometimes you know? sometimes it goes a little too far, is what you're saying. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a little too. Con- I mean, and it's not not all of them though. I mean, Captain America wasn't. I felt like Avengers was almost like talking down the children that may watch it. Like Avengers was like almost too playful. Like it wasn't serious enough. Yeah. And I feel like it was because well they want kids to go see it. But that's not exactly right. I mean, like, Captain America, I felt like kids would really enjoy that movie, but it wasn't corny in that way, in the same way that Avengers was. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's one of the only sort of negative things I had about the Avengers was it just sometimes took the comedy a little too far and wasn't serious enough. That's in what the, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, New York was invaded and people are dying. And yeah. it's pretty much a, a sort of a laugh track right through the whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, I just I just don't see any difference to Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, I, I think it's pretty much following the well, same sort of mold that Iron Man's done. I think that, and I think Iron Man's better too. Cool. And on that note, I, I agree, and we'll move on. Uh, so, my uh, just the last pop culture news uh, item I've got is the Fantastic Four cast have been announced, and uh, I'm not happy. Uh, I really want to discuss <laughs> this. So. Fantasy Four, the the casting rumors have been have been flying thick and fast for a while, and uh, one of the ones that they've recently squashed, thank God, is that they were going to turn uh, Doctor Doom into a, into a girl, and I wasn't pleased with that because <laughs> it's not because I mean Doctor Doom is my favorite Marvel villain, and I, and I have no problem with her, with Doctor Doom being a female. That's totally fine, except in the case that it just doesn't it doesn't work in terms of the dynamic in film. Like film, if they turn Doctor Doom into a girl, then they wouldn't be able to help themselves in that the reason that Dr. Doom hates Reed Richards would change. At the moment, it's, uh, it's you know, it's jealousy and, and uh, professional rivalry. If they changed her into a girl in a film, the, the reason that, they, that she hates him would be because of rejection, like some sort of love, try, love you know, rejection type thing. And uh, I mean, they just wouldn't, it's, it's just, they wouldn't be able to help themselves. That's what they would do because that's what film audiences would expect. Um, hmm. But thankfully, they squashed that idea, and Doctor Doom is still going to be a guy. But uh, they've cast the, they've cast the actual fantasy for themselves. And the first item of controversy is that Johnny Storm is going to be played by an African American. So the cast uh, is uh, Michael B. Jordan, who is from Chronicles, uh, as Johnny. Um, Kate Mara as Sue. Miles Teller as Reed, and Jamie Bell as Ben. And please, please let it be an, uh, an animated Ben, like a CGI Ben. Don't do a suit again, because that was terrible. Now, there was a bit of controversy with uh, Johnny being played uh, by an African-American, by Michael B. Jordan, and I have absolutely no problem with that. Absolutely none at all. There's there's no reason why any of the cast cannot be of a different racial heritage than, than you know, white cornbread type stuff. There's no reason whatsoever, and that's totally fine. And I think Michael will do a good job. He's very, very good in Chronicles, so I haven't seen any of his other work, but I think he'll be fine. My problem with it, though, is that if you're going to make Johnny black, then you need to make Sue black because she's his sister. That's so, what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, it just actually now that. just doesn't make any sense. I mean, so obviously now they've got to go with... A, so because Kate Mara is not black, they've got to go with uh, some sort of story element where they're either not brother and sister or yeah. they are brother and sister through marriage or you know through adoption or whatever the case may be. And that is yeah. just, it's just stupid. It just adds, it changes the family dynamic. I mean, the Fantastic Four as a family work perfectly the way they are at the moment. There's no need to change that dynamic. And as soon as you do change it, you've got to explain why. Yeah, because, yeah, that is the thing about the Fantastic Four is that it was always this family element. Yeah. So either so let's, so let's look at like either option. They're either A, not related, or B, are related, but through whatever means. All right? Yeah. So, Option A, they're not related. That now changes the family dynamic so much that A, they've got to waste time explaining why, and it now adds an extra, because it's a film, an extra love element to it. There's now going to be some sort of love triangle type deal. So it's, I mean, it's always just being Reed and Sue. And of course, Johnny was, you know, even though he was young and attractive, he was no, he was not an option because it was his sister. Now they'll, they'll, that's now cha- going to change. They won't be able to help themselves. There'll be some sort of love triangle thing happening. If we go with option B, where they are still related, and so therefore the love triangle thing won't happen, they've still at least got to explain why. 
There's got to be some sort of explanation for why the dynamic has changed in some way. Yeah. And it's just, it just wastes time. The, uh, the origin should be gotten rid of in the first 10 minutes and then straight into the, a- the action adventure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that maybe Kate should have, or I'm um, sorry, Sue should have been played by a black actress. That would have resolved this. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm nothing, I'm nothing against Kate Mara. I mean, she's she's been fine in everything that I've seen her in. She's she's especially good in uh, American Horror Story. I mean, it's, it's her casting doesn't bother me. But if you're gonna if you're gonna make Johnny African American, you need to make Sue African American as well. And that would have been awesome. I bet they're not even gonna do the. They're not related. I bet. I bet the. I bet the story, they're just going to leave that out. I bet they're just not going to be related. Is it they're not related at all? Well, then, they, then they've got to explain why Sue, would, any, any, any right mind would go for Reed, who is older and um, <laughs> and so, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, he's fine, but he's, I mean, he's so absent-minded. Man. He's all about the science. So if, if Sue and Johnny are not related, then there's no reason why Sue wouldn't go for Johnny. Hmm. And that changes the, changes the family dynamic. Yeah. So, anyway. No, it does. It's weird. It's weird. It is weird. It, at the end of the day, it's not that big a deal. It's just a film. But, but uh, it just, yeah. it's just this, this sort of things, these sort of things where they change things without, it's like, it's almost like they don't really think it through. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, oh, well, let's just, you know, let's change it up to sort of, you know, to sort of make it topical. And no offense to Michael in any way, shape or form, but he's being cast because he's friends with the director. I mean, this, I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't cast also for his talent, but I mean, he knows the director, and so he's got him onto the project. And so now, now they've changed Johnny as a character. And once again, I have no problem with that; it's absolutely fine. But don't change the core ideal of the of the characters themselves. You know, I hope I hope that it's just like there's a scene where they go, "Wait a second, this is your brother," and, <laughs> and then they show them both, and they're like. Yeah, what of it? And then that's it. They don't explain anything. They just leave it at that. <laughs> that would be cool, actually, yeah. You know? <laughs> there you go. We've just written that scene for you, Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah, what's the big deal? There's no... All there's, right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> or we could even do that sort of classic where uh, where Reed sort of, you know, likes Sue and tries to make a move, but then sees her hugging and kissing Johnny, yeah, they'll do and, that. And he's sure. like, and he's like, oh well, now I'm not in with a chance because obviously she's after is after him, and she's like, what are you talking about? It's my brother, and they're like, really? And it goes from there. They'll do something like that for sure. <laughs> yeah, they could always pull a Star Wars, Princess Leia, Luke. That's it. Pull a Star Wars. <laughs> anyway, that's it for the news. If you uh, agree or disagree with any of that, let us know. The uh, contact details will be at the end of the show. Uh, next up, we've got our, our brand new segment. Seinfeld Watch. <laughs> okay, so for our first and uh, last <laughs> iteration of Seinfeld Watch, <laughs> um, I, have, I have some distressing news. I'm so, I hopefully uh, Bo won't actually follow through with his threat from the last episode where. Uh, he said he was never going to talk to me again, but uh, it turns out the Seinfeld reunion wasn't quite what I was led to believe it was. Um, so in the in the last episode that you and I were together, you mentioned that yeah. you hadn't watched the Super Bowl ad yet. Yeah. Have you watched that yet? I still haven't watched it. Well, that is the Seinfeld reunion. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I figured that's what it was going to be, yeah. but it's so, still over between us, David. Uh, sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I figured that's what you... Cause, there was all these like rumors floating around that uh, you know Jerry was doing something with um, with George and and with uh, Larry David. You know, it was floating around right around the Super Bowl, and I just you know I kind of assumed you know it's just a Super Bowl ad. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can find it on online now at the moment. Because uh, so the ad, so the ad, yeah, it was it was a Super Bowl ad, and it was Jerry and George back at the cafe slash diner place that, that was in the show. And uh, Newman also appears. The, the ad is uh, actually a promo for Jerry's web series, um, Comedians, Conversations with Comedians in Cabs or whatever it is. I don't know. Com- uh, comedians com- Driving in Cars yeah, or something. Yeah, something like that. Getting I don't know. coffee, something yeah, like it's that. Like, yeah, yeah, getting a coffee. It's, it's the conversation they have when they're going to get a coffee. I do apologize, bro. I, I hope you, <laughs> you won't follow through. We are. We are still friends. <laughs> the true Seinfeld reunion is in Curb Your Enthusiasm. The last episode is the final episode of both shows. They they do like a split show between Curb and and Seinfeld. 
Uh, so if you are a Seinfeld fan, you need to be watching Curb, too, because it's, it's a continuation of the real-life story of uh, Seinfeld. Only it's not real. I mean, it's all scripted. But <laughs> they're not playing themselves. They're playing the actors trying to put together a final episode of, of Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for Seinfeld Watch. Let's move on to Popcorn Junkies. Okay, so first up, uh, Popcorn Junkies, we've got Bo and Monuments Men. Indiscriminate age, Bo. <laughs> um, so I went this weekend and saw The Monuments Men. Uh, this is uh, the movie written and directed by George Clooney. It's got Matt Damon, Bill Murray, uh, John Goodman. It's such a crazy cast of all these you know, older comedians, obviously not including Matt Damon. And... <laughs> I went. I, w- I went and saw the movie. It was one of those cases where, like, you're in the movie theater and you see the the previews before the movie, and it kind of gives you an idea of what this movie may be. And it was. I could tell before you know before the movie started that this is a movie for an older crowd. Not that that's a bad thing. It's a really. It's actually a pretty good movie. But you know, like, it's really like the plot's explained twice. It's really easy to follow. <laughs> like the the there was an older couple sitting beside me, and uh, the guy's wife kept telling him, you know, what the actors were saying because he couldn't hear it throughout the whole movie. <laughs> so, so just just going to the movie theater this weekend was an interesting experience. It's I don't like, know if they like were that, having. It's like that Simpsons THX thing is where the grandpa where it like shatters everybody's teeth and stuff, and grandpa says is like turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, but no, it's it's a good movie though. It's basically um, the concept of the movie is they they put together this team of of people who are like art scholars, art students, art enthusiasts, or collectors. Or collectors, um, they're not soldiers. Uh, they put them through like whatever the most basic form of boot camp that they can put them through is, and then they enlist them in the army, and their whole job. Um, as what they call the Monuments Men, is to try and retrieve stolen art um, to protect uh, statues and monuments and things uh, from you know from being blown up or destroyed or try to try to take them out before uh, the military work you know is going to invade a certain area. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the like the movie deals with we think of war as it hurts people. Like we think of war as in like well you know there's all this. You know, senseless death and violence, but it's also like we're destroying a, a another culture in a way. Like, mm. if we're not careful with preserving that, I mean, we're erasing, uh, you know, a certain section of people out of existence, like a certain section of culture out of out of existence. Mm. And in the movie, you know, the ultimate villain in the movie is Hitler. Obviously, they show him a few times, but Hitler is—he's trying to go through, and whenever they invade a new area. They take all the art from the area, and then they go and they hide it somewhere. Um, in a weird way, you know, Hitler, like, he, he values this art. Like, in a, in a way, he understands the power that, you know, art has on culture. And he's just using it for different means than, you know, the, the people that created it and the Americans. If it's a Jewish artist, he's just burning them. Like, he's just getting rid of them. And so, like, that's a concept of, you know, World War II that I never really thought about was that not only was he, you know, killing, you know, Jews, the Jewish people, um, he was also like erasing their history. Like he was doing more than just killing them, um, which is a fascinating thing to think about. Really, I mean, I never, mm-hmm. I never really thought about that. Like, what's worse than genocide? I mean, you're actually erasing, you know, somebody from history. Does it cover any any of uh, Hitler's attempt to get the Amber Room from Russia? I don't think they may have mentioned that, but it okay. wasn't like a, a focal point or anything. Okay. So all this art that they've hidden, it turns, I don't want to spoil too much, but it turns out like it's hidden underground somewhere, which I guess you can get that from the trailer because yeah. they're underground a lot in the trailers. Yes. Um, but they, they start finding this art and they're, you know, categorizing it and stuff. Well, like there's one scene that I, I found really telling. There's one scene where like this American press comes to, to visit one of the, you know, one of the underground, you know, facilities and um, they find all this, they mistakenly stumble across all this gold. Um, I mean, it's like a country's, you know, worth of gold. 
and they, you know, the papers take pictures of it, and they just go nuts, and they take pictures of all the soldiers that discovered it, and like, in the meantime, George Clooney's by himself looking at all this priceless art, you know, just next door, and it just shows, like, especially, like, in American culture, how we value, you know, so many things over art, like, art is such a, like, you know, at the bottom of our totem pole for things that we value as a culture, and the movie deals with that a whole lot. And I, and I feel like the people making the movie, I feel like everybody that was in this really understood that, that this movie was not a war movie. Like, this is about, you know, how how much art really means to a culture and to progressing society um, and how much it's undervalued. And, and I really I really got that out of the movie, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to go see it. Because, you know, I've always kind of seen that, you know, like if you... If you go to college for, you know, any kind of art or anything, you know, anything, you know, liberal arts, people think, you're, you you know, they say you're wasting your money because you're not going to have a job doing that whenever you get out. And the thing is, is in a lot of cases, that's true. But, you know, a lot of people go to school for interior design and they and they don't never get a job doing that or, you know, for banking or, or something like that. And it's just, you know, this we just don't value art the same way we value other things. Mm. And, and it's so important to society. And it's it's a pretty good me- the message behind the movie is really good. Now we get to the movie itself. It's not that great of a movie, honestly. Okay. <laughs> I, I've been talking it up. I've been talking it up all this time. But the truth is, is I think it's a really important movie. I hope a lot of people go see it, and I hope they understand like what it's about. Um, but at the same time, it is it's a it's a bit slow. Which I mean, I kind of expected it to be a little slow. Um, it's uh, it's not funny. And it's got a lot of really funny people in it, um, but it's really not funny. And <laughs> part of the reason I think I think it is really targeted towards an older crowd, and it really has the feel of an older movie. Um, like I said, where they explain the plot multiple times and things like that. That was only partially a joke. They really do that a lot in the movie. Um, and jokes are the same way. Sometimes they deliver punchlines to jokes twice. It's really not that funny. Um <laughs> But I think it's an important movie, and it's touching on an important, you know, message. And so, I mean, I think that it's worth seeing. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily need to see it in theaters. It's not like epic or big feeling or anything like you know, um, Gravity was. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is a Netflix. Like if you if this comes up on Netflix and you're already a subscriber, you should definitely check this out before they take it off. Um, if I were to give it, uh, you know, how many Luke's? Uh, we'll say three out of five Luke's. If I wasn't an artist personally, probably a two out of five Luke's, um, because I, I think the movie is important while it's kind of boring. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so next up is myself, obviously, and I'm going to go with the RoboCop remake. So the, Ro- so the RoboCop remake was directed by Jose Padilla. I probably pronounced that wrong. Let's face it. Like I said, it's a remake of uh, the original RoboCop, which was from the 80s, uh, 1987, but this is uh, just released this year. It stars uh, Joel Kinnaman, who is a Swedish actor, I believe, as Alex Murphy, uh, a.k.a. Robocop. Uh, Gary Oldman as Dennis Norton. Michael Keaton as Raymond Sellers, the the head of uh, Omnicorp. Abby Cornish as Murphy's wife, Clara. Jackie Earl Haley as Rich, uh, Rick Maddox, who's uh, one of the... Um, he, like, trains the drones and stuff. And uh, of very interesting performances from uh, Samuel L. Jackson as uh, Pat Novak, who uh, heads a TV show called uh, the, the Novak Report or something to that effect. Um, the story is uh, essentially the same uh, with a few uh, sort of updated twists. So the original the original Robocop, which is uh, rightfully so considered a classic, uh, was very in-your-face as you know, most 80s films were and uh, uh, very like ridiculously violent and um, very, sar- very sarcastic and... and uh, really over the top um this one is sort of updated the story sort of so that uh it incorporates uh drones um uh, it's, set, it's set in the future and uh, the american government is using uh drones overseas uh in order to uh for ur- urban pacification and stuff like that so it starts the, the film starts in Af- afghanistan and uh, it shows how they're using drones over there and uh, they're very effective uh, so they've sort of as escalated i mean drones are, are very much in the uh, the public consciousness, consciousness at the moment because America is using uh, drone planes and stuff like that overseas at the moment. But this is escalated up to full humanoid uh, robots and uh, the Ed 209s, uh, which have gotten a, a, an aesthetic remake and um, 
sort of drone planes and stuff like that. And they're all sort of uh, very, they're very, very effective at what they do. Uh, but the, the American government's decided that they won't release, uh, uh, authorize the use of drones in the, in America itself, uh, in urban environments, um, because uh, the, the American people don't seem to want it. And they've all sort of fallen behind what's called the Dreyfus Act. One of the senators is uh, very much against it. And so it's, it's not that he's uh, anti-robots or anything like that. It's just that he knows that a, a human being, even though, yes, they can make mistakes, um, they at least can acknowledge their mistakes and feel remorse and have sort of emotional connections. So if a robot accidentally kills a child, um, the robot won't care. It'll just move on. Whereas a a human being will feel remorse for it and will, you know, not do it again and, you know, stuff like that. So um, his arguments are pretty, pretty lame, to be honest with you. (laughs) I mean, I was was sitting there the entire time going, drones, drones, drones. But, you know, hey, I'm not him. Um, and uh, Samuel Jackson's character, Pat Novak, is hilarious. So, based, so it's it keeps interjecting into this uh, very Fox News style program um, headed by this uh, Pat Novak, and who's basically very much for drones in America. He's like, you know, why the hell do we not have drones? And so they sort of use his character in order to basically explain the plot to. So even though he's very is very entertaining, his sections it actually kind of gets a bit too much. Uh, especially towards the end, because it's it's like it it basically talks down to the audience. I thought at least the rest of the story is is essentially the same. You have uh, Alex Murphy, who's a good cop. Um, he's trying to do the right thing, and uh, he gets uh, betrayed, and they someone you know they try to kill him, and he survives the the attempt, and is then you know used to turn into. Uh, Robocop, and they they decide to do that because uh, because the drones actually full robots are not allowed in the United States. They decide that if they have a cyborg uh, with a human face, then people would fall behind him a little bit more because they because they most people would just assume he was a guy in a suit, or at the very least he's still a person but with mechanical enhancements, which have come a, a long way in this in this sort of future time. And they're right; it works perfectly. Uh, Robocop uh, appears on the scene, and he's very effective. I mean, he's in his very first public appearance. He captures a criminal who's eluded police for like six years and uh, gets him off the streets, and that's that's it. The pe- people just instantly love him from there on in. Uh, his family, though, on the other hand, are having quite a bad time. Like his uh, his uh, wife and especially his son are quite traumatized by this by this experience, and uh, and his love for them is what triggers. He's uh, sort of overpowering his his programming in order to be become an individual. Like I said, the story is essentially the same sort of thing. There's you know there's minor twists and turns. It's it's an effective update. I I, I do quite like uh, the updated sort of elements to it. I, I do like the the fact that it is is the focus is a little bit more on the family, um, which kind of gets ignored in the original film uh, pretty much. They change his partner Lewis. Um, from uh, quite an interesting character in the original film into a quite a dull male character uh, in the remake, which I found kind of unnecessary. I mean, Lewis, which were kind of rare for 80s films, uh, Lewis in the original film uh, was a girl and wasn't a love interest. You know what I mean? So, I mean, she was, uh, she was an effective, interesting character, female character, and uh, they basically they changed that for no real reason in this film, and the, the update of Lewis doesn't really do all that much. It's... it's uh, an unnecessary change. Robocop himself looks cool. All, all the updated sort of elements are all pretty groovy. The uh, my only real, real negative would be that it's actually it doesn't really engage you all that much. Like the, the, the original Robocop, like I said, is just really in your face and has some just very memorable, memorable scenes. My favorite scene is by far the scene, uh, the one where he uh, saves a woman from being raped, and his response to her reaction is is absolutely pure gold. Um, this film doesn't really have any of that. There's, there's, there's no humor at all, really. Although that's not a bad thing. It's, I mean, it, ta- it just it takes itself a little too seriously, I think. And but it's actually, and it's actually kind of a little boring, really, which is its only, which is a pretty major negative. Um, my my main annoyance, though, which is uh, quite surprising, is the soundtrack is absolutely terrible. It does. It's loud when it needs to be soft. It's soft when it needs to be loud. And the music itself is so uninspired. It's like. It's just—it's like they just got the music out of Garage Band or something and just slapped it on there. It's—it's it's really, really strange. It's—it's it's, actually—I actually find it quite distracting. Um, so as overall as a as a film, it's 
it's not a waste of time. I recommend you, you check it out if you're a fan. Um, it's not as good as the original, and that's, you know, let's face it, that's pretty standard these days. I mean, this, this, this glut of remakes is just going to keep on going, and it's a shame. Um, it's just, it's unnecessary. There's plenty of original content out there just screaming to be made, but as, well, as long as remakes make money, that's what they're going to do. Right. And sometimes it's not a bad thing. Sometimes remakes are actually pretty cool, but this one, unfortunately, is, is not as good as the original, in my opinion, so... I give it uh, two out of five looks. How was uh, Joel Kinnaman in it? The main yeah, character, the main guy. Um, yeah, yeah, he was all right. You know, he was okay. I liked him in the Killing, but he's he seems like one of those actors that I think was perfect for that role. But I don't know how good he'd be in other things. So I was I was really I want to see this almost just because I want to see I want to see how he does. Well, I haven't seen the Killing, so I can't comment on that. Um, but it, in terms of I mean, he has. I mean, he's he's fine. He does he does what he has to do, and he doesn't he doesn't really have a lot of screen presence. I must say, he's he's quite he's kind of bland. But I don't think that's really his fault in this particular instance. I mean, he's not really given a chance to shine. He doesn't, and his dialogue doesn't really give him a chance to sort of to do much. I don't think it's his fault. I, I think it's, I think if I saw him in something else, I'm sure he would be, he would give a better performance. That was popcorn junkies. Uh, moving on to contest of champions. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Okay, so this for, for this iteration of Contest of Champions, we're going to be looking at Kit versus Christine. So as you may or may not know, Kit is the car from the TV series Knight Rider, and we're going to go with the original Trans Am, Pontiac Trans Am Kit, so, gener- so yeah. Generation 1, not the stupid remake version. Because uh, even though it looked kind of cool, it was it was nowhere near as cool. Um, versus Christine. Now, Christine is from the Stephen King novel and film 1950s Plymouth Fury. I'll go with 1958, but I could be wrong. A, a Plymouth Fury? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go we'll go with Plymouth. I apologize. Uh, Plymouth Fury. And let's face it, she looks awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a big car fan, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I couldn't really tell the difference between most cars. Uh, but uh, Christine, the Pl- the Plymouth Furies, that was you know back when cars had style, you know what I mean? That was, yeah, they were cool. I, yeah. I I drive a thirty year old car, so like I've always been in the old cars. Oh, cool! My very first car was a nineteen seventy four uh, Volkswagen Beetle. Now I drive a nineteen eighty two ZX, and that means nothing to me. <laughs> I know what a Volkswagen I know what a Volkswagen Beetle is, of course, because yeah. of, because of Herbie. Uh, who I was going to? Who I was going to chuck in here? I was going to make it a three-way between Christine and Herbie, but I thought it was a bit, it was a bit, a bit over the top. Um, but uh, yeah, but uh, a DX or whatever—I have no idea what that is. Two eighty ZX. It's a. Yeah. It is a Japanese sports car. It's one of the early Japanese sports cars. It's meant to be a daily driver, though. Like they didn't design it as like a sports car that you know people would race or anything like that. It's meant to be a daily driver. All right. So uh, Kit versus Christine. We're going to make it that Michael's not actually in Kit for this, because um, he'll yeah. probably die, and I don't want to kill Michael off. You know, he's off on Baywatch right now. Yeah, yeah, he's off entertaining the ladies of Baywatch. We'll go with that. Because <laughs> let's face it, if you if you had the chance to entertain the ladies of Baywatch, you would do so. Um, so it's uh, so just Kit uh, driving him, driving himself versus Christine driving herself, which she does anyway. Um, although technically she's being driven by a ghost, but that's fine. We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> Now, just a, just a bit of an, o- an overview of, uh, for those that don't know, just what Kit and Christine can actually do. Uh, so, like I said, they can drive themselves. So, um, so that's pretty cool. So it's basically just car versus car. Now, Kit, I'm not going to go through every single thing that he can do because it's ridiculous. It's, I mean, basically, they just added whatever they needed for the for the at that particular episode. So, if he needed a grappling a grappling hook, that's what he had for that episode. You know what I mean? But just as yeah. as, as an overall, what he had every episode was. He's basically, essentially, he's a, a very sophisticated computer uh, inside a car, and uh, he's awesome. He has, he has a personality of his own. He can learn and and uh, and upgrade himself, and, and he has an awesome personality. He has a very dry wit, and uh, he has on occasions. It's um, he was he got kind of offended <laughs> with some of the things Michael said, but he, you know he laughed it off, and and they become firm friends. He's he's an awesome, he's an awesome character just on his own. The car, that's the car important, itself, though. Sorry. He's not. That's important though, because he's not just a computer. No, he must be self-aware to be a, to be offended. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, he's uh, the car itself though is covered by um, I don't know the precise term for it, but it's some sort of shell, uh, a sort of a chemically bonded process that shell that sort of covers the the, the car body, which is 
almost impervious to damage. It's, I mean, it just it takes an insane amount of damage and survives. Uh, I mean, of course, it could take gunfire bullets like nothing. But it, yeah. uh, one, of, one of the favorite tactics was for Kit to ram stuff and, and just mm. just survive unscathed. Um, and at least there was a reason for it. Unlike the General Lee in the Dukes of Hazzard, which used to destroy its front end every single time it did a jump, but then the next scene, yeah. perfectly fine. So it's, you know, weird. It's important to note that he doesn't self-heal, though. If he, gets, if he does actually get damaged, strangely enough, all he needs to refuel, he has to go back to the truck. Um, so there's a truck that's constantly on the move around the country, and... Uh, Whenever they need to refuel or repair anything, they go into the truck and the technicians take care of it, and then off he goes again. Right. Um, so he has that. So he has that shell. Uh, he also has uh, the turbo boost, the famous turbo boost, and uh, and like I said, he has various other stuff: uh, laser guns, grappling hook, you know, magnetic attractors, uh, that sort of stuff. The other important thing that I that was that we'll use in the fight here that I'll mention is that he has um, some sort of device. I'm not not sure what what it was called, but he has some sort of device where he it was like he could send out a magnetic pulse and fry electrical components. Yeah. Now, Christine, though, Christine's a different story. Christine is actually just uh, Plymouth Fury, but the difference is that she's supernaturally enhanced. So she's uh, she's got a bit of an edge in that she's magic. Um, and she was, as the film shows, she was bad to the bone uh, right from the very start. So even on the assembly line, Anybody that she didn't like, she'd kill <laughs> in various ways, which is pretty cool. One of the one of the assembly guys drops some ash from his cigarette or a cigar or something onto her upholstery, so she kills him, which is you know, which is fair enough, I think. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so um, she's not messing up the upholstery. Yeah. So she's possessed right from the very start, um, at least in the film version. I'm not, I can't quite remember from the book version, and her major thing is that she is unkillable. So. Any damage that get, that occurs regenerates over a period of time. Um, it's it, the the time varies between the book and, and the film, but uh, you actually see her after she uh, kills somebody. She kills she kills somebody by ramming into his house. Like she goes into his house and basically just keeps going in and out until she eventually gets to him and then runs him over. And so she's pretty wrecked. But she goes back. To, you know, she hobbles along back to the to the garage and repairs. You know, essentially overnight she's back to normal. It's pretty awesome, but she, at, at one point she actually gets crushed into a cube and still regenerates back to normal. So it's wow. it's she's she's essentially unkillable. I mean, you would have to. Uh, I mean, basically, you'd have to disintegrate her. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to throw her into the sun or something. You know what I mean to get rid of her um, or incapacitate her. So if she can, if she's in like a pit or something that she can't get out of, then that would pr- pretty much stop her. But she'd still be alive. So, with that in mind, right. that was a very long explanation. <laughs> I apologise, but I just wanted to give you an idea of what these what these uh, these two characters can do. So, they're, they're both uh, both of them don't have drivers. Uh, they're out in the desert. Uh, Kit comes across Christine killing somebody, and uh, being Kit is a nice person, goes to interfere, and the fight is on. My first ability would be I would try to do the electronic zap thing, and yeah, it wouldn't kill her. Yeah, I mean she's still just a car, like you said. Whenever she got you know, bunched up into a cube, it's not like she could drive away. I mean, she still had to regenerate over time. Yep. So, I mean, Kit could immobilize her at least. I'm totally with you. He's very, his first move is definitely going to be to fry her systems and stop her in her tracks. Now, does, does she have any kind of, like, deflection? Like, can she, like, counterspell, you know? I don't think so. It, it, one thing I want to bring up is this is actually a really interesting, like, like robot versus ghost kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Like the fact that they're both cars is the only, you know, that's the the equalizer. But the truth is, is is it's almost like, uh, yeah, science versus magic. Yeah. Um. So it's so it's an interesting team up. Whoever suggested this, I'm I'm glad they did. Yeah. Thanks. Um, to, thanks to the. Uh, I, I didn't get permission to use their name, but uh, I, I forgot to mention this at the start. Thanks. Thanks for reminding me, Bo. This is actually this was actually a suggestion from a fan. So, uh, so very very much appreciated. I think I think uh, the first thing that he would do would be to to try to fry her. Yeah, and we'll go um, we'll go I'll, with the, the, because we don't know whether she's protected against this sort of stuff. We'll say that it actually works. So she is capacitated at least momentarily until she regenerates. Can she control her environment at all? Could she like make something in the environment move or fling towards Kit? I don't. Well, once again, I don't know. I mean, he has. She doesn't display that. She can control her internal environment, like like close off all the oxygen and. Uh, pumping some carbon monoxide and stuff like that. 
but I don't think she oh, can, yeah. I don't think she has any projection weapons or anything like that. Well, and I guess I mean I guess her her major attack would be to just try and ram. So she'll try yeah. and ram Kit, and Kit. I mean Kit does have projectile weapons, so he'll either laser um, or you know run circles around her. He's much faster than her. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. So he'll either laser her from a distance. Um, or, of course, use the, the tried-and-true RAM tactic. I mean, he's pretty much invulnerable. He doesn't... I mean, he, at this point, he wouldn't know what her capabilities are. And even even if even if he did know, they wouldn't really compute, would they? I mean, it's science. It's a computer saying, how is this car actually working? Like, I know it's not a computer, because I just fried those. What's actually making this work? Could Christine try to reason with him? Try to lure him into some sort of trap? I don't think Christine talks. She doesn't talk, huh? I don't think so. She can't. She can't do like Bumblebee, where she makes the radio say her. Words. Well, she probably could actually. <laughs> no, you're right. You are right. She does turn the radio on or off in the film. Um, she never actually speaks, though. I mean, she does growl a lot. She does rev the engine in order to growl, <laughs> and it, look, it sounds yeah. awesome. Um, but she speaks essentially through the ghosts. The ghosts are the ones that speak. I think it's it's pretty evident that she's insane. I don't think she'd even try to reason. She'll just she will just try and ram an attack for sure. So, um, so basically, it comes down to a ram match. Kit's not going to be upset because with a ram, because it's what he does anyway. I mean, he's, he's yeah. he thinks he's invulnerable, and he would be. The Plymouth Fury it wouldn't stand a chance. It, it would. She would get destroyed. She's. I mean, she she doesn't have uh, shielding or anything like that. But then she'll regenerate. That's the cool thing about I think about this fight is that even though Christine seems to be outclassed, no matter how many times he destroys her, she'll come back. See, I think I think what the decider on this is is unlike Christine, Kit needs fuel, and Kit needs mm. to be repaired. So, at one point, this is how I sort of pitched it in my brain: is like Kit just absolutely just annihilates her and you know blows her to pieces, thinks that it's over because he doesn't understand how magic works, and then goes back to the truck to get refueled or repaired or whatever the case may be. If he suffered any damage of any kind, Christine reforms and then goes after him. Yeah. So she'll take the truck out, no, no, no trouble at all. So she takes out the truck, reforms, <laughs> regenerates, and then goes after Kit again. So Kit eventually is going to run, he's run into a bit of trouble. Yeah, so Kit, Kit's screwed if he doesn't have the truck. Yeah, so he's screwed if he doesn't have the cut. He's screwed if, uh, the truck. He he's... can't just go to like a Jiffy Lube or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's gonna know how to work on a sentient car. <laughs> you, drive, you could drive. Well, you could drive up to a, to a, a, a Jiffy Lube, as you mentioned, and uh, and actually ask somebody to fuel him up. But I, I don't know what the reaction would be. <laughs> I personally would be like, "Is this some sort of practical joke? What's the deal?" But uh, who knows? So, uh, so I, I think it's it, what I, what I really love about this fight is that no matter that even though Kit would would win every single confrontation. Eventually, he's actually just going to stop from attrition. I mean, eventually, he's just going to. He's, there's nothing left for him to do, except for Christine to try and kill him, and she can't. So Christine can't kill Kit. Kit eventually has to stop. So what, what do we have? Man, it's a. It's pretty much a draw because she's not really strong enough to kill him, but yet he can't kill her because she'll just keep regenerating. Yeah, it's, I, think, I think the only way Kit can actually win is if she if he outsmarts her and actually traps her somehow. Yeah. Lures her into an incinerator somewhere. Yeah, an incinerator or, you know, the Grand Canyon or something. I mean, because she'd, she'd eventually get out of the Grand Canyon, but it would take her a while. What do you reckon? We've got, we've got two scenarios over there. It's either, a, it's either a complete stalemate or Kit outwits her somehow and traps her. I think that it's a possibility that Kit could outwit her, but more than likely it would be a stalemate. Because not only stalemate, Kit could lose because he could run out of gas and I mean, unless we're assuming that he can't just go to a gas station and get filled up, yep. which he doesn't have arms, he'd have to convince like the gas station attendant to fill him up. Yeah. And I don't know where in the country still has gas station attendants by today's <laughs> standards. <laughs> but but so I mean, even that's unlikely. But I think he'd run out of gas. Yeah. I think he'd, I, th- I think he would have to concede. So there you go. So we're actually going to give victory to Christine. I really didn't think that was going to happen going into this. I didn't think it either, but there you go. I can see it happening. Well, there you go. Victory to Christine. Uh, Let let us know what you thought about this fight. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? And uh, if you have any more suggestions, we actually had... uh, I'm I'm sorry I didn't mention this right at the start of the segment, but yeah, this is... Thank you very much to uh, the listener who suggested this fight. And uh, I've actually got a list of fights that have been suggested by people, and uh, we'll go through them eventually. We'll We'll get through them all eventually. So... 
Um, I just really want to say thank you very much to everybody who has uh, supported uh, this segment, especially people. People love this segment, and uh, we'll keep doing them as long as you keep uh, keep following it. And, yeah, uh, and, and uh, if you want a cool song about a demon possessed car, uh, there's a song by Bloodhound Gang called um, Something Diabolical. It's a cool song. Cool, I'll look it up. Bloodhound Gang, Something Diabolical. Yeah, I don't know if it's about Christine, but it's a it's a song about some sort of some sort of demon car. Oh man, I'm, probably, I'm looking it up. Probably a 1982 ADZX. That's probably what it is. <laughs> awesome. So uh, thanks again, and uh, victory to Christine. And let's move on to that's about the end times. Cool. Uh, so just a, a couple of items for uh, Azerothian Times. Uh, first off, I just want to get something off my chest. <laughs> so um, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a, a WoW pet fan, as you all know. And uh, one of the pets that I don't have that I want is uh, little uh, Taragosa, who's uh, just a little pet version of the dragon Taragosa. Um, and you can only get her if uh, a guild. It's a it's a guild reward, and the guild needs to do finish the quest line to get one of the epic weapons as an epic staff um so if anybody in your guild uh, either owns that staff or completes the quest line to get it the guild can then buy uh from the guild vendor little little Taragosa. um so most of my characters are in my own little mini guilds that i've made just basically just for bank space and the the only character that i've got that is actually in a guild zadar um that guild doesn't have that achievement um so i did a bit of research and uh, looked at warcraftpets.com and all that sort of stuff and uh, a couple of comments for that pet on warcraft.pets.com and uh, the Warcraft forums and stuff like that say something along the lines of, hey, if you want this pet, you can join our guild and grind up the experience you need in order you need to be you know, honoured or, or exalted uh, with the guild to buy it. So you can grind up the, the, the rep and you know buy the pet, and then if you decide to say, cool, if you don't want to stay, that's fine, you know, no charge, that sort of stuff, which I thought was awesome. I mean, the fact that people would offer to do that and stuff was very, very cool. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't find a single guild on uh, the main realms that I'm the, that I'm on that has them. So I basically had to make new characters on these realms. Oh wow! And, uh, and uh, so I've made like level one characters on uh, four or five different realms, and I've sent in, you know, I've sent them in. So every comment basically says, "Send me, you know, an in-game mail or whisper me if you're on or whatever the case may be, and I'll add you to the guild and away you go." So I've done that. Five different characters, five different realms. I've, uh, nobody was on, and I've sent in. I actually did it for more realms, but some of the people that left a comment saying, "Hey, do this," uh, they actually no longer existed on that realm. So, so that was need, kind of frustrating. You need to be exalted with a guild that already has a certain achievement in order to get the pet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's either honored or exalted. It's one of those sort of things. And How hard is it to get the achievement? The achievement. The achievement itself is very hard. Um, mm. But getting honored or exalted with a guild is ridiculously easy now. So, I mean, I would I would have done it before I even got reached level thirty. So it would have been pretty basic stuff. Um, mm. So, uh, but that's the, that's not the frustrating thing though. That that's fine. I was willing to do that in order to get the pet. Um, but the frustrating thing was that, like I said, some people who left these these offers actually no longer existed on that realm anymore. That was frustration number one. Mm. But I've created a level one character and in game mailed on five different servers now and not a single person has gotten back to me and that was two weeks ago I've now wow. spent, so two weeks later and not a single reply and that is really really annoying that's really frustrating after the first couple of days and no, no replies I thought oh well that's all good maybe they just aren't on all that often like myself I'm not on every day that's cool but then two weeks later so how long is the post maybe maybe most of these people are not playing until Warlords comes out that is a good point uh, maybe I mean the posts. I think I think the latest post was uh, December 2013, so not that old. Um, but yeah, maybe they've all they've all sort of you know passed on and, and are not active at the moment. Who knows? I don't know. The mail hasn't been returned, or, or the mail. I mean, none of the mail failed. I mean, failed the the mail actually got to the recipient, as far as I know, it was actually sent. But anyway, I yeah. just I just want I just want to get that off my chest. I guess I'm going to use this opportunity to uh, throw it out there. Please, 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 I'd be very much appreciative if uh, I can do that in your guild. So if you have a guild that has that achievement um, and uh, has uh, has that pet available, if I could do that, if I could make a character or even use one of my existing characters, if you're on any of the servers that I'm on, 
please let me know. Uh, that'd be awesome. I'd have I'd help the guild out itself any way I could. If I you know had I mean I'll basically just you know any items I pick up uh, the guild in straight in the guild bank. Uh, that's fine. I basically just want this pet. So um, <laughs> that's, that's how desperate I am. But anyway, I really much appreciate. It. So the main the four main servers that I have characters on at the moment are Oldham, Alexstrasza, Scarlet Crusade, and Mediv. Um But like I said. I'll create a character on any on any server. I don't care. Any server. I'll do it. Well, you know, uh, um, part of the news this week is Medivh is actually joining Exodar. Oh, there you go. So they're doing that realm merge business? Yeah. Um, what do they call it? Uh, connected realms. Yeah. They did that for um, Oldham. And uh, just recently, they connected Oldham to some other realm, starting with A. I can't remember what it was called. Archimedes or something. I don't know. Whatever. But uh, <laughs> but uh, that's been that's been a blessing. It's 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 really livened the place up. I've got to tell you, it's yeah, been awesome, dude. I I I really hope this works out good because I've been on Medi for a long time, and it used to be a really popular server. Now, if you're on Horde side, it's a ghost town. Yeah, like if you're on Alliance, it's actually pretty pretty hopping, you know. Mm. Um, and so I'm hoping that Exodor is the opposite. So now it's going to be really balanced. Yeah. I mean, I imagine they're taking that kind of care in, in Connected Realms, so yeah. I think it's going to be a good thing. I'm excited. I'm excited to see some new faces on Medivh. Yeah, same here. Maybe That's somebody good. will buy the crap I put on the auction house. <laughs> this guy. Um, cool. Anyway, so uh, little Taragosu, if you can help me out, I'd really appreciate it. I would love you a long time. <laughs> I would love you a long time. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> At least electronically. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, it moves on to our next item. Uh, a new patch was released uh, a couple of days ago, um, last uh, server reset. Uh, it's patch 547. Um, it's not a huge one. It's not the greatest greatest patch ever, but it's got some stuff that people would be interested in. The rare spawns in Karasan Wilds now only award honor points uh, when defeated for the first time each day instead of just every time. So that's going to be a bit of a bummer for people who have been doing honor farming. Garrosh Hellscream's health has been reduced in the Siege of Orgrimmar uh, 10 player heroic. I know why that is too, because the difficulty between 10 man Garrosh and 25 man Garrosh was so close that it was almost worth just finding 15 other people and killing them on 25 man instead of 10. So, I mean, yeah. all they did was adjust the health so that the, the ratio is better, so that, you know, yeah. 10, man, 10 man is that much easier than, than 25. But PvP Season 15 uh, started uh, fairly recently, so now the Celestials drop Season 15 gear instead of Season 14, um, and Season 14 gear can be bought with Honor Points uh, instead of Conquest Points if you need to, uh, and there's been a bunch of other PvP changes for Battlegrounds and Arenas and stuff like that. Uh, the only the real main thing that sort of deals with me is that Mistweaver AI, AI on um, Timeless Isle, you can buy these weapons, um, epic weapons off her with the timeless coins and their item level has been raised, uh, from four, seven, six to four eighty nine. So, uh, so it's, and it's retroactive. So if you've already purchased them, you haven't missed out, you'll, you'll find that if you log on and check out your weapon, it's actually now been raised a bit. Um, so that's, I wonder if you know, that affects cool. the 500 and something weapon that you can buy. The one that's like 50,000 timeless coins or something like that. Uh, or 30,000. Cause yeah. I bought that and I, if, I'm sure if it does affect that, then it's like he said, retro- retroactive. So I just have to log in and see. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't say it does, but it, that doesn't mean that it doesn't. I, I, that's about it. As it is for the patch notes, there's some other stuff, but it's you know you can always uh, check it out online. I wanted to say last week. Well, so last we raid every Friday night, and uh, it was nice having you join me last week, David. Oh, thanks, dude. Sorry, yeah, I had to, sorry, I had to leave early. Uh, well, right after you left. You said, hey, guys, I'm sorry, i got to get out of here, which was fine. We had already progressed further than we thought we would, and we were just kind of continuing on, goofing off. I do like that. Um, so you progress further than you normally do because I was there. Yeah, Let's be honest. Exactly. Actually, I've got, I got a confession to make. I've got a confession to make right, for that theater before you go into your awesome revelation. Um, I, I don't have Vent, um, which uh, my raid group was not too pleased about. But uh, I don't have Vent, and I refuse to use it because I don't have a microphone, so that's pointless. And um, we'd go into every so every boss fight. It was funny. There'd be this ridiculously long pause during this boss fight where our raid leader, who is awesome, would then ex- would over-explain every single fight. And I, of course, couldn't hear any of this. And it wasn't being yeah. typed into chat. So my confession is I actually didn't know any of those raid, raid boss fights. 
But I would well, like I was... to I would like to point out that I didn't die a single time in any of those boss fights. <laughs> let me just point that out to you. I started to let you know. I started, but I was like, well, I don't want to insult him. If he already knows, I'm not just going <laughs> to. Yeah, I actually had no idea whatsoever. So we did these fights. Like, they're, they're hey, like, don't, stand in, don't stand in the fire. Yeah, it's what, not brain surgery. Just, just don't stay, don't stand in stuff. That's pretty much it, really. And with that other yeah. one where you had to keep swapping targets, I just attacked whatever you attacked. <laughs> so I just said focus yeah. on you and whatever you were targeting, I targeted that. So it's it was fine. Now, I didn't die at what at any any time. Let me just point that out. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you like I gotta go. So as soon as you said that, my house started shaking. <gasps> Ooh. So at first, I just felt my chair shaking, and I thought it was my dog trying to get like in my chair. Ah, yeah. And I look down, and there's there's no dog around, and I'm still shaking, and everything's still shaking, and it was just long enough. It just it lasted just long enough for you to go. Wow, this is I'm not imagining this. This is really happening. And then it went away. Wasn't just, just wasn't just, just deep bass from your speakers? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it was an earthquake. Wow. We had an earthquake. And because of the location of the Medieval server, a lot of people in our guild live in upstate South Carolina or North Carolina. And so I wasn't the only one. There was people in chat going, "Hey, did you just feel that?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I felt that. I thought it was I actually walked outside. I thought maybe somebody ran into my house or something, like a drunk driver ran into my house. Oh, plane crashed <laughs> from the sky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, dude, it, it it was just crazy. We've had – so where I live, we never get snow. It snowed every day that week, and then we never have earthquakes. I think that was, like, the only time I remember ever feeling an earthquake, and we had an earthquake. And – um I feel like you had something to do with it because you disappeared <laughs> right whenever it happened. <laughs> it was the, it, my my leaving was so momentous that, <laughs> that the earth just rebelled. <laughs> no, it wasn't, I feel like you got involved me. somewhere. <laughs> I've got one of those machines, the Mole Man. No, it wasn't me, but uh, I'm glad you survived. You had a you had a, you had a rough week. Like weather wise, haven't you, man? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, man. I don't know what's going on. My dad actually works. Um, my dad works in. Uh, he's an engineer for a radio station. Yeah. And the snow, the ice built up so much on one of the towers that the tower fell, and then the earthquake happened. And it originated. My dad lives in Augusta, Georgia, and it originated closer to Augusta. So, um, my dad said that, uh, it, you know, the day after the tower fell. They get this. They get this earthquake, and it was a lot worse there than it was here. And uh, he said he just called the guy up and was like, "I quit. I quit. I can't deal with this. <laughs> I, can't, I can't deal with all this." <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, that's uh, so that's it for Azeroth in Times. Let's move on to coming soon. Uh, coming soon in Australian cinemas on February twenty-seven. We get three days to kill which I know nothing about. Non-Stop, which is uh, Liam Neeson doing his uh, Taken-type stuff on a plane, uh, which is going to be pretty cool. I like Liam Neeson. I like Taken. Uh, my only problem with that is that now they won't be able to do the book. There's actually a science fiction book called Non-Stop. I won't be able to do that now. I'll have to rename it, <laughs> which is a bit of a shame. <laughs> but uh, I'll see it. I'm a Liam Neeson fan. And Out of the Furnace, which uh, had a bit of controversy. It's, it's uh, Christian Bale as uh, some dude whose brother, oh, yeah. brother goes missing. Wait. We had it. We we've had that here for a while. That movie, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, well, there you go. It's not unusual for you guys to get it before us. Get it right before us. Is we it? also Three Days to Kill come came out today. Ah, oh, cool. What's it about? Do you um, know anything? It sounds like the tagline to Predator Two. Who's in town for a few days to kill? It's Kevin Costner, dangerous international spy. Yeah, it's just a spy type kill him, shoot him up movie. All oh, right. Let's see. February twenty eighth, we get the Bagman. Chlorine, Hairbrained, The Lunchbox. Uh, we also get Nonstop. You know, every time I use this website, they have very unsensational release dates. Like, <laughs> is this just a, is the 28th just not a very good weekend for movies? Yeah, well, it's uh, February. The end of February is not exactly a big film release yeah, sort of time, I guess is so, it? Yeah. You know I, mean? I guess you're right. Awesome. So that's it for episode 80. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. If you have any uh, feedback, please send it in uh, with the details at the end of the show. If you'd like to hear any more of uh, Intermediate Age Bo and uh, his comedy stylings, you can do that at... ecnradio.com Yeah, uh, with um, Matt and Scott. 
cool in the gang. That's what I like to call it. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, I, I call my NCP uh, guys the the crew. Do you guys have? Do you have one for your, your guys? Um, Please don't say the crew. Can, <laughs> That'd be big. I bad. can come up with one right now. Go. I would say the Stooges. The Stooges. I like that. I don't know. I just made that up. That's There's pretty a band bad. The Stooges. Good That's band. a good one. The Stooges. I thought you were going to say something like the posse or something. But, uh, <laughs> posse. <laughs> um, and uh, if you want to hear more of uh, myself and Bo together, we have another side project called uh, Film Flams, where we do custom commentaries for films. That's it for the show. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, and uh, like I said, uh, if you wish to contact us for any reason, if your guild has a little tarot grocer and, you want me and you're happy for me to get one, <laughs> please let me know. <laughs> I'm um, still waiting on that Sky Golem. Uh, are you? No, is that you a Sky Golem? I actually don't even use it, which is pretty sad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to equip it. <laughs> so that's it from me and from Intermediate Age Bo. So next week, Speed Buggy versus Christine. <laughs> Speed Buggy. <laughs> vroom, vroom. Uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> next week, I'm actually thinking we do uh, the, the Skeletons versus the Zombies. We'll do that. Yeah. I think that's a contender. But anyway, tune, uh, well, no, actually, not even next week. Next week will be episode 81. So tune in episode 82 for, uh, for Boro and myself. Bye. Bye. www.nerdculturepodcast.com And email Feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com Facebook Facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast Twitter At nerdculturecast Now you can also Skype us uh, on nerdculturepodcast And you can rate and review us on iTunes And subscribe to the podcast And don't forget we also have our Amazon affiliate widget On our website that uh, you can go, use to go through and purchase things through Amazon uh, with your own with your own account. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but we get a, a, a slice of the profits and um, a very small slice, but a slice nonetheless. It makes uh, us happy, and uh, which you know helps us uh, produce the show and uh, various other stuff. But also, it's just it's awesome. So if uh, if you could use that, that would be awesome. And thank you for listening. <laughs>